Churches podcast. This week, guest speaker John Irving kicks off a new series entitled In Rhythm. This series looks at what we believe the heartbeat of God to be and how we can start getting in rhythm with that heartbeat. This week, we look at the church, which was intended to be the body of people and not a building or a location. What other ways have we as the church been deceived with something other than God's plan? Well, welcome to Connection. My name is John. I am not a pastor. Um, it's kind of weird that I'm even up here. I don't really know why I'm here. Um, if, if this is your first time, I just want to apologize. Um, please come back because it's going to be better than this, I promise. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it's kind of weird how I even ended up uh, coming to do this. Back several months ago, Brandon knew he was going to be out of town, and uh, we were in a meeting trying to figure out who was going to talk, and um, Sean Fox and Greg Mans, a couple of the worship leaders up here, they were like, how about Pastor John does it? And um, of course, yes, I love that title. It just thrills me to hear that all the time. Um, and I'm like, yeah, ha, 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 real funny. Um, not going to happen. And well, I'm driving home to Atlanta. I'm driving back, going down I-16, and apparently I-16 is where all revelation is dropped down onto the world. And God's like, hey, guess what? Um, I got a sermon for you to preach on the 31st. And I go, um, no, you don't. You do not have that. And then I had to go into Brandon's office and I had to say, Brandon, um, I need to talk to you about some stuff. And he's like, okay, yeah, what's up? And I was like, well, um, I think I'm supposed to speak on the 31st and I'm not happy about it one bit. Um, he just kind of started laughing. But um, I actually am thrilled to be able to come here and to speak with y'all. But here's the thing that I know. Um, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. Um, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells within me. And uh, because of that, he's given me the authority to, um, to go into all the nations. Um, it just so happens that Statesboro is the nation that I'm going to be talking to today. And so um, I'm thrilled to be able to come and, and do this. I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us this morning. Um, hopefully it's not going to be my words. Um, but I just want you to know that this, um, what I have planned, um, this is the sermon that I would preach to myself. This is the thing that I struggle with the most. And so I'm just going to use this opportunity. And we're going we're gonna to have some fun. We're going to enjoy learning about God. And so, um, but actually, real quick, um, I want you all to know, I mean, I'm here, you know, week in, week out. I get to interact with Brandon, you know, almost on a daily basis. I want you all to know we have an incredible, incredible pastor that's leading us. And we, yeah. Um, him and Susan are constantly in prayer and in the word, uh, making sure they know where, where we're heading with this ministry. And uh, we wouldn't be anywhere without them. And so I want to encourage y'all, be praying for them because they, uh, when the church gets ready to have a big move and, and a big change and, and God's about to do something huge, um, they, they feel it on them and Satan begins attacking them first. And so we need to be lifting them up and make sure that you know, when you see them, let them know how much that you appreciate them. Um, and let's honor them for, uh, for, uh, for what they do for us. Um, they, they're just an incredible leader, and um, I'm privileged to be able to call him not only my friend, um, but my boss and my pastor. Um, today, obviously, we're starting off a new series. It's called In Rhythm. The whole, um, the whole idea of this whole In Rhythm series, um, as Brandon was kind of praying through this message, um, he, he was looking at the, the Gospel of John. And in John, John was one of Jesus' closest friends, maybe even the closest person to Jesus. And in chapter 13, and there's, a, there's a moment that John actually leans back and lays his head against Jesus' chest. And we thought about that for a second. We're like, wow, he has an opportunity that nobody else ever had the opportunity to do. He got to hear Jesus's heartbeat. He got to hear the heartbeat of God. And so we started thinking about that. We're like, what would that look like? What would that be like if we could actually know God's heartbeat, to know his plan for us, to know what he wanted us to do, how he wanted us to act? What would, you know, what would that actually be like? And so 
over the next couple of weeks, um, we're, we're going to be looking at that. Uh, this, this first week, we're going to be looking at the church. That's um, just so we start off. That's not this building. That's, that's all of us in here. That's the body of Christ coming together. That's the church. So just so if you hear me say church, don't think about a location. Think about a body. Um, the next week, we're going to be looking at this whole idea of reconciliation. Now, that's God's desire, is that when he sent his son here, he not only wanted to reconcile us with, with himself, but also reconcile each other. Each other. That um, so often there's so many marriages that are falling apart. There's, you know, we can't seem to get on the same, you know, the political parties are fighting with one another. We're fighting in our families. And, and God doesn't want that. He wants us to be reconciled with one another. He wants us to be able to interact and love with one another. And finally, we believe the, the, the final thing that's really on God's heart is this idea of clarity, that when Paul talks about making the gospel plain and, and understandable for everybody, that God doesn't want this to be confusing. He doesn't want this relationship with Christ to be confusing. He wants us all to be able to understand it and, and to enjoy it and, and get something out of it. And so that's where we believe, um, what we believe is, is, is how we can get in rhythm with God as we begin looking at those three things. Um, so this morning, uh, let's open up God's word. And we're going to be reading a lot of scripture because um, I'm just not a smart guy. And um, from what I've found out, um, there's some cool stuff in here. I'm like, y'all got to read this thing because I'm telling you, it's, it's pretty darn impressive. So um, we're starting off Ephesians um, chapter 3, going to be verses 8 through um, 13 um, or 12, actually. Um, this is Paul's letter to uh, the church in Ephesus. It actually was um, intended for several other churches in the area as well. Um, but I want to point out, this is uh, one of those letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison. Um, and I think that's just such an incredible concept because, you know, he talks so much about, having, about rejoicing and having joy. And, you know, he's writing all of that in, in a jail cell. And I think, you know, maybe the next time we're having a bad day, um, we should think about the fact that uh, here's Paul. He was, um, he was having a bad life at this point, and uh, yet he still had found an opportunity to, uh, to give joy to God. So, um, all right, here we go. Starting off in verse 8 of chapter 3 in Ephesians. It says, Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me. I don't know about y'all, a lot of times I feel like I'm the least of all people. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, that whole idea of clarity, that whole idea of making it simple and making it something that we can all understand. Which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Let's not forget he created everything. His intent was that now, through the church, hint, hint, what we're talking about today, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, his master plan for our life, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God, that idea of reconciliation, with freedom and confidence. Let's pray. God, we just love you. We praise you. We thank you um, already for what we've done here this morning, that we can just come and, and have a good time and just worship you, God. Um, God, I, I just pray that now as we are um, opening your word and learning a little bit more, God, that you'll just um, open our eyes to something new that um, maybe we haven't thought about in a long time, God, um, that you teach us um, what, it, what your heartbeat is, what it means to be in rhythm with you, God. Um, I just pray that you, um, you come down in this room and you do an incredible thing. Um, God, we just love you, and we praise you, and we, and we thank you what you're, what you're going to do here this morning. In your son's name, amen. All right, so who here has a Facebook account? All right, probably most of y'all. If not, then, you know, you've heard of Facebook, or you have a face, and you've seen a book before. One way or another, you kind of know a little bit about this. Well, back in college, I didn't have this thing called um, girlfriends, and um, I don't know, I mean, what it was. It's probably that they're just intimidated because, I mean, let's be honest, kind of put together pretty nice. <laughs> um, 
it's things like that why I didn't have any girlfriends. Anyways, um, but when Facebook was first starting, they, um, they came up with this thing called the news feed, right? This when you go to the homepage, you can kind of see what everybody's talking about. You can see what people are writing on the wall. You can see the pictures, the music, all that different type of stuff. And so when they first came, it wasn't always like that. So when they first introduced this idea of a news feed, I'm like, I could have a little fun with this. And so I thought, all right, what would be better than if something, something I can do that will shock people? So what will shock people other than for me <clears throat> to be in a relationship with somebody? That's pretty shocking. And so, but the thing is, is I didn't know any girls that would want to date me at the time. And so, well, what did I do? I thought, hmm, I'll just create a girl on Facebook. <laughs> Again, you're beginning to understand why I did not have one in college. Um, and so I created this girl. Her name was Amanda Fitzgerald. You can still look her up online. She's, you know, one of my friends. Befriend her. She's a cool girl. Um, and so I started having fun with her profile a little bit. I'm like, you know, writing down the movies. And I'm like, you know, my favorite movie is The Notebook and The Twilight Saga. And, you know, all the, all the good girl movies. I would even put in, like, Dumb and Dumber so that, like, all the guys would be like, hey, this girl's cool. And then, like, you know, I went and did, like, the favorite books. Of course, you know, I had to put the Bible in there. Well, then I got to the About Me section. And I'm like, hey, y'all, it's Amanda. And I just transferred to Kennesaw State University because I didn't want her going to school here because nobody would know her. And so it would be, you know, an easier way of, of, of doing it like that. And um, I just, like, love to have a good time. I like to laugh. And, uh, oh, yeah, I have the best boyfriend in the whole world. <laughs> and so I'm having a little fun with this. I'm like, okay, this is, this is, this is cool. Well, I go to bed. Um, by the way, I did all this around midnight, which is where I make all of my best decisions. And um, so I go to bed, wake up. I had a 9 o'clock class the next morning. Of course, before I go to class, what do I have to do? I have to check my Facebook because that's the protocol. That's what we got to do. We don't know. Maybe somebody poked me. I don't know. (laughs) And so so I log on, and I see that I have three people have posted on my wall. And I'm like, okay. Well, I look at the three people, and it's actually three girls. It's actually three single girls. And I go, hmm. And I'm like, but they don't comment on the relationship. They kind of go, hey, um, haven't talked to you in a while. Hope you're doing well. I just wanted to, you know, I miss you. We got to hang out sometime. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> they want me now because they can't have me. Amanda's got me. And it's like that whole Corey Matthews syndrome, Boy Meets World, right? He had Topanga. Everybody wanted Corey, right? He didn't have Topanga. Pfft, it was Corey, curly hair. What in the world, right? <laughs> and <laughs> stupid. Uh, um, and so I find that kind of interesting. And, 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 you know, finally everybody kind of found out about it, and they found out how big of a dork I was. And, um, but either way, it was a good laugh. But I looked at that, and I'm like, wow, like, look at how much control Facebook had over people's thoughts and their actions. Like, it, it completely transformed what people th- thought about things. And I'm like, and, and so I started thinking about that with, with today's message. And I'm like, how much does the media affect what we do, right? Well, but then I thought about that, and I was like, you know, Facebook, they just came out with, you know, the social network just came out with that, that movie that kind of documents a lot of what, um, how Facebook first started. A lot of it's uh, based on truth. A lot of it's kind of fiction just to help sell the movie. Um, but there's a line in the trailer of the movie that says that basically the, the creator of Facebook, he said, I want to take the entire social experience. Um, he was talking more so about the college experience, but the entire social experience, the, the partying, the music, the movies, the, the, you know, drinking, the sex, everything, all of that, and I want to put it online. I want to make it into a, a media platform, basically. And so what he did is he didn't look at the media and try to influence culture. He looked at culture and then put that into a platform. And I'm like, 
that's actually probably how it is, is that before there was a show called Desperate Housewives, there was probably some Desperate Housewives out, out there. Before the porn industry was the porn industry, there was probably some people struggling with sexual sin. You know, there was um, a couple of weeks ago uh, when we were in the church talk series, we were kind of going through the book of Romans. And um, Brandon read something in Romans chapter one. Um, if you all want to t- turn to it, you can. It's gonna be up on the screen. Um, but I think this, this outlines this, this entire idea. Um, he, he, he talks about in uh, verse 29, this is what he says. He says, they have be- become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So here, this is before the internet. This is before TV, before the movies. We were kind of messed up a long time ago, weren't we? You know, and so... But yet we try to blame it on, on the media. We try to blame it on all these other things. And, and, and here, here's what I believe, is that God's word, it's not boring. It's not, and it, what's boring is when we don't apply God's word. That's when it gets boring. That's when you, you see boring people, it's people that, that just aren't doing anything with their faith. And so, you know, what I've realized is that we look at, um, we look at this culture out there, and I realize that us here in this room, we have a culture. That when we first started this church, you know, it, basically you brought a bunch of people together, and all of a sudden a culture started to form. And as we progress, it's harder to change that culture. But I believe that the issue that we have right now in, in, in these churches today all stems from, from something that's talked about in James. Um, I kind of uh, help oversee some of the youth stuff here. I'm not the youth pastor. I'm just the youth liaison. Um, <laughs> But we're going through the book of James. If you haven't read the book of James, incredible book. It's simple. It's, it's only five chapters long, but it just kind of outlines what we go through as Christians, what we're going to come up against. And so it's just, it's just a good thing to kind of, you know, read over your life so you kind of know what to expect. Um, but when we first started going through it, um, we, we came through something I talked about in, in, in chapter one. You've probably all heard this verse. It gets talked about a lot, but it's um, chapter one, verse 22. And it says... Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And you know what? I thought about that. I'm like, the thing that sticks out to me in that is the deceive part. And think about how often in our lives are we deceived? You know, how often are we, are we missing it? You know, I, thought, I think about when I was growing up in my family, um, you know, I probably grew up in the, in the common, typical, you know, Christian household, you know, we didn't really go to church, but we, we still believed in God, you know, we did good things for other people, you know, we weren't, we didn't, you know, cuss, we, you know, it was, it was a good household, but um, God in, in, in our household, it was, it was, God was great, God was good, and we thanked him for our food, right? That was the extent of who God was in my household. We didn't, we didn't own a Bible, we didn't open God's word, and, and don't get me wrong, I had some incredible parents, parents that loved me um, unconditionally. I think they, they painted the best picture for me about God's love for us, that no, it didn't matter what I did, it didn't matter what I said, I knew they still had my back. And to this day, they still have my back. You know, I, didn't, I don't always agree with everything my parents say. You know, as I get older, I agree with more and more that they say. And I realized that you know, I was just a young whippersnapper that had no idea what he was talking about. Um, but they, I mean, they, were, they were just incredible parents. Um, but if I have to be honest, you know, the word of the God wasn't poured into my life. And so I saw a difference in me because I didn't have that, that backing. And so I realized that that in and of itself was a way that I was deceived. 
It was a way that, you know, even me not, not even being a part of a church, I, I'm, I'm deceiving myself. And um, there was a little while ago, I was listening to a sermon. Um, a guy was giving it that he actually has a Christian website. And um, he's given this sermon and, he, and he, had, he was telling how there was a mother that wrote into this Christian website. She was kind of asking this guy's advice. And she writes into him and she says, hey, um, you know, I love the website, but I just need your advice on something. I don't really know what to do. Um, she said, I found out that my 11-year-old son um, has been looking at pornography. And then she goes, I realize that this is normal, but what should I do? And he said he just, he read that and he just had to stop and he goes, wait a minute, when did it become normal for an 11-year-old to be looking at hardcore pornography? Now, has that become common? Has that become typical? It might have, yeah. Is that normal in any way, shape, or form? Not at all. Is it, is it common and typical for uh, most marriages to end in divorce? Yep. Is that normal in any way, shape, or form? Not at all. That's not what God desires for us. And so I think about, you know, so, so, so what do we do? How do we, where do we go from here? Um, about five years ago, I um, was still new in my faith, and I started noticing, you know, pastor after pastor, sermon after sermon, t-shirt after t-shirt, everywhere you looked, you saw Romans 12, one and two. Many of y'all know this verse. It's a very, very popular verse or two verses. Many of y'all could probably even quote it, but you saw it everywhere. And I I was like, why do we see this everywhere? And basically what this, this verse says, it goes, therefore, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, This is your spiritual act of worship. No longer be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect and pleasing will or something to that effect, right? And I'm like, why are they having to preach this over and over and over again? Because we're not being transformed. Nothing's happened, nothing's changing. We're deceiving ourselves. Um, I read that same passage out of uh, the message for those of y'all that are either new to church or, or don't know what the message is. Basically, this guy, Eugene Peterson, he took the Bible and he said, I wanna try to translate into this into more contemporary language, language that we can kind of understand. Now, I don't believe this is the Bible because this is a man's interpretation of the Bible, but he really gives some cool insight and gives some, a, a different way of looking at everything. And I really like how he puts um, this passage right here. This is what he says. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your eyes, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. That's what that whole song was talking about. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And I just love how it, how it talks about that because it, it talks about this just normal, or not normal, but this common, typical way of doing life. And you know, I, I thought about several weeks ago, I was back home, I was eating some dinner with my parents and we were at Longhorns. And um, that's why I love parents is they take you to places like Longhorns. <laughs> um, I work at a church, I go to Zaxby's. Um, but... We were sitting there and I just kind of sat back for a moment and I was listening to the conversation that we were all having. And it was just, it was probably just kind of the, the common everyday conversation that everybody has. 
And, um, but nowhere in it was there anything about kind of what God was doing in our lives. And now I'm not saying that we need to have super spiritual conversations every hour, every day. But at some point, if this is important to us, it should probably come up. And so I got up from the, from the seat and I was walking back to the bathroom and um, I'm walking by all the different people. And you can kind of hear everybody's conversation here and there. You get bits and pieces of it. And I kind of listened to what they were talking about. And again, it's just kind of the common everyday things, talking about you know, school and work and sports and different things like that, but nothing about God. And I'm like, that's the reality for most families is that nowhere do we talk about what God's doing in our lives. Nowhere is, is you know, just this Bible kind of poured into people's lives. And I'm, and I'm like, why is that? And, and, I, and I see there's, it's because we, we look at this word and we, we see how important it, it is but we're like, um, no, I don't know about that. Um, I've got a good friend. She's a, a teacher. She's a first grade teacher. And um, she's been doing it for a couple of years now. And I was asking her, you know, how things were going. And she said, you know, really good. You know, my kids are crazy, of course. But, um, you know, last year, you know, they, they were pretty cool. But this year, it's kind of a different group of, of kids. And, and what I'm noticing is, you know, we'll be sitting there doing stuff. And all of a sudden, I'll be like, okay, everyone, you know, it's time to, we're going to do some math now. And the kids will kind of look at me and go, no. And she's like, uh, I'm sorry, what? And they're like, um, yeah, we, we don't want to do math. No, we don't want to do that. And she's like, um, y'all are seven. What are you talking about? You're going to do some math. And, but basically what they're doing is they're, they're saying, look, we know that you kind of probably know best, and, and, and math's really cool and all, but like, I'm really enjoying fold, you know, molding this clay right here. I'm really having a good time making a stellar boat right now. So you do what you need to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on the boat, okay? And... Um, and you know, we laugh at that, but like, how often do we do the same thing? You know, for us, what that looks like is we go, God, I know the plans that you have for me, plans for, to prosper me and not to harm me, plans for a future and for a hope, right? We know every good and perfect gift comes from above. We believe that, we know that. We know, hey, if I delight myself in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. But I don't know, God, I don't, eh, I don't know. I know all that, and I, and I cite all of that, but when it comes down to it, I don't know if I'm willing to do that. And what I love doing is I love taking verses like that, and I love looking at what's talked about right before that verse and what's talked about right after that verse, because it changes the whole nature of that verse. It takes that, that verse that's easy to quote and easy to cite, and um, a lot of times puts some action to it. So, so let's look at some of those verses. That first verse I talked about, um, many of all have heard it, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. It's an incredible verse. Let's not forget that um, when this was being spoken to them, they were in exile. And so they were having to hear this while in exile. Um, changes it a little bit. Let's read um, verses right after that, verses um, 12 uh, through 14. It says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Now what that is, that's a call to action. But we like the future, we like the hope, we don't like the call to action because that requires us to do something. All right, let's look at this some more. Let's look at um, Psalm 37, four. That's that whole delight in ourselves in the Lord. He'll give us the, the desires of our heart, right? 
Well, let's read some verses around that. Let's go up a verse. Verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Hmm, ah, I gotta trust. Okay, I, don't, I mean, I want, you said desires, God. I don't wanna trust, that's tough. Okay, let's go down to verse five. Commit your way to the Lord. Oh, that means everything in my life, doesn't it? Oh, wait, there, okay, after that you said trust again. Shoot. All right, that's gonna be tough. Um, okay, let's keep on going. Let's, uh, verse seven, be still. Um, God, I'm busy. I got stuff going on. Um, oh, no, now you said wait patiently for him. Oh, that's not gonna work for me. Um, I'm kind of freaking out, God. Oh, no, you said do not fret. No, um, now I'm getting a little angry. Refrain from anger. Oh my gosh, okay. This is, um, God, I'm not okay with this, right? We, we, we wanna go back to the desires of my heart. We wanna go back to what we get, not um, what we have to do. Let's keep on going. This is fun, I'm enjoying this. All right, let's go to, let's go to James again. Again, I told you, James, incredible. Y'all gotta read this. You gotta read this. All right, here we go. James again. James chapter one, we're looking at verse... Um, 17. All right. That's when it talks about um, every good and perfect gift comes from above. We believe that. But then right before that, there's that pesky don't be deceived thing again. So we keep on seeing this thing about not deceiving ourselves because the thing is we forget that every good and perfect gift comes from above. We, we speak it, um, but we think it comes from other places. We, we think it comes from, from other areas. And here's what happens with that whole deceiving concept is that when we are deceived, if we wanna be honest with ourselves, what happens is we actually begin being disobedient. That's what happens when we, we, we become deceived is that the end, the end action is being disobedient. And so what happens is when we continue to come to church every single day, weekend, or you know, week in and week out, and we don't do anything with it, we're kind of being disobedient. And, and that's the thing about our, our lives with Christ is that we have two options. Either we can obey God or we can disobey God. There's nothing in between. I don't know if, if y'all have read in here that there's some in-between areas, but I didn't get that. Um, I, I read the thing about being lukewarm and, oh yeah, God, let's vomiting out of our mouths because we're, we're not choosing one side or the other. Um, that's a pretty intense thing if you ask me. Um, but what happens is when we first come to faith, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't really know better. You know, we don't really know much about, about what we're supposed to do. And so when we're disobedient in something, we really don't know any better. So honestly, it's not really that big of a deal. But then, okay, let's jump 10 years down the road. Now we've been kind of coming to church for a while. We've been reading our Bible a little bit. Maybe we joined a, a small group or something. Maybe we even led a Sunday school class. But we're still not really doing much with it. So now, now we know all this stuff and we're still being disobedient. So what's happening is we're compounding that entire disobedience. Like who here has ever heard of the, the concept of com compound interest, like in, in the banking terms? Basically, you, when your money earns money, earns interest, that then that interest will then begin earning interest. And so that's what happens to us is that the more, the further we get along, the more we disobey, basically more disobedience gets put on top of that, more disobedience, so we make it worse for ourselves. So honestly, if we're not gonna do anything, if we're not gonna do what the word says, like it says in James, or if we're just gonna listen to it, we're better off not coming. We're better off never opening our Bible. Now, I'm not saying for you not to do that. I'm not saying for you next week not to come back to church. I would love for you to come back to church. Please come back to church. But I'm just saying, if we're being real with ourselves, we're making it worse. We're not helping ourselves at all. And so what I realize is that as we progress in our faith, we learn more and more and more and more. We get all this knowledge about who God is. 
But the thing is, is that our knowledge so often far outweighs our obedience. Does that make sense? That so often we know so much more than we're willing to actually do. We know so much more than we're actually gonna commit to actually doing. And, and how, does that, how does that change this whole relationship with Christ? How does, you know, basically we're, we're withholding the Holy Spirit from being able to do something. We're deceiving ourselves. And so I find it interesting because, you know, we, we realize that this is important. Like, like for example, um, a couple months ago, um, Milan Turner was doing a sermon. He was talking about the importance of the word. Incredible, incredible sermon. If y'all haven't heard uh, yet, go on to uh, iTunes, listen to the podcast. Incredible word about just how, how important God's word is. And I loved it. And the entire sermon, I'm jotting down notes. I mean, smoke's coming off of my paper. The, the, the next week, I'm listening to the podcast again. I'm like, I gotta listen to this again. I gotta, I gotta take some more notes. And so I'm going back through my notes, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm listening to the, to the, to the computer, right? And I got my, my headphones in. And I'm just listening. I'm like, man, this is so good. God, God's word's so important. It's so good. It's so great. I got to get into it. And, um, and, it, and the Bible uh, was on my table. And it was just sitting there. It was, it was closed. God's word's so important. It's so awesome. But it sat there. And I got to about minute 13. And I shut it off. And I just kind of threw my hands up. And I'm like, wow, I'm missing it. Like, I'm, I'm willing to listen to a podcast about how important God's word is, but I won't open it and actually have it maybe revealed to me. You know, the reason Milan knows how important God's word is is because he opens God's word and it's transforming his life. When I, when I started preparing for this message, a crazy thing happened. I got excited. When I, I found myself, I was trying to go through the word even faster. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to get through the whole thing because I'm like, I just want to get more. I want to get more. And it's a crazy idea that it took me having to prepare for a message, prepare for a sermon to actually open God's word. Why? Why do I have to prepare a sermon, something I don't ever even do, to open God's word and get excited about it? Because I'm deceived, because I doubt God, because I don't, I don't think it's really real. But, but here's what I know, is that I think for a lot of us, we don't open it because, you know, some of us, a lot of us just question it. We're like, ah, I just don't know if I believe the Bible. There's a lot of stuff in there I just don't know about. Well, let's clear one thing up. Um, we don't read anything because we believe it. Um, we, we don't do that with any other thing that we read. And here, here's the thing what I, what I know about the Bible. What, what's cool is that, um, to me, this is, is a pretty impressive thing. Um, last night I walked outside, and something I, I love doing in Statesboro, you don't, you don't get to do this back in Atlanta. When you're in Statesboro and you walk out your back door, and it's nighttime, you, look, you can look up, and the stars are just, they're incredible, aren't they? They're just so bright. And I get to look at that, and I'm like, wow, that's impressive. That's amazing. Or maybe, you know, some of y'all maybe gotten to the Grand Canyon, and you, you stand, you, you kind of come up to that edge, you kind of look down, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Or maybe, um, maybe you've read in books, or maybe you've even been over to Egypt and got, got to see some of the pyramids, right? We still don't even know how those pyramids were put together because they shouldn't have even had the technology to be able to do it, but yet they were able to do it. And it's just like, wow, that's incredible. Well, I'm gonna look at, at this thing right here. Let's, let's talk about this thing. Okay, so, so this book right here, um, it spans about 1,500 years that it, it was all put together. It took about 1,500 years for all these writings to be put together. Um, now, yes, this is one book, but it's made up of about 66 different books. It was written down by over 40 different authors. Most of them did not even know each other because remember, 1,500 years is the span it took for all that to be written down. It was written down in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. It took place over three different continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe. 
And yet, through all these different cultures, all these different languages, all these different people, all these thousands of years, the same message is preached through the entire thing. Now, I don't know about you, that's kind of impressive. Um, but not only that, is that things that were talked about years ago, they, um, they came true years later. And so, like, take for example, Psalm 22. I don't know if you all have read it. If you haven't read it, go read it because it'll mess you up. Because what Psalm 22 talks about is basically it outlines the entire crucifixion, almost to a T. What's crazy about that, actually the, the name of that, um, of that song right there is, My God, My God, Why Have You Forsaken Me? I don't know if that rings, um, rings any bells in y'all's head from something that, uh, that happened um, a couple of years later, um, about a thousand to be exact. Um, what's crazy about that is that when the psalmist was writing this, um, crucifixion hadn't even been invented yet. And yet he's writing about this. He's writing it so much to a T that he's talking about the people that are, that are yelling at him and spitting at him, he's, that he's gonna be set up in between two different thieves. And yet that was a thousand years before Jesus even walked the earth. And yet we, don't, we aren't impressed by that. We, we, you know, we think about that stuff, but we, we, aren't, we aren't impressed by that. And I'm like, how can that be? Because this, the thing is that this is alive. Like this past week, I um, was at the Daily Grind and I was kind of preparing for this message and a very good friend of mine, Stuart Moody, walked in. He's the um, college minister over at First Baptist. He was my, my pastor throughout college um, and I, I have the honor to be able to call him friend now. And we were just kind of sharing life with one another, kind of talking about what God's been doing. And um, he, he, he read for me, um, he said that um, a couple weeks ago, he got to go to a cabin for about three days, just him, just him and God. And he just got to get away and, and begin just kind of getting back with the Lord again. And he, and he said, the first verse that he, that he came to, um, you don't have to turn to this, um, was Isaiah 43, eight. That's what it says. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. And he said, for some reason, when he read that, the, the words just came off of the page and it filled him, filled him up and it just refreshed him. And the thing is, is that Stuart's been walking with the Lord for a long time. He knows that. He's probably read that verse before. But no other book can you read something that you've read a thousand times and all of a sudden it do something incredible to you? It completely change you upside down. I don't think many of us go back and go, I do not like green eggs and ham, Sam I am. Do we? And go, oh, that's incredible. I forgot, I forgot that he doesn't like them. I forgot it, <laughs> right? There's not other things that we can do that with, but like, that's the thing about this. this. This book's alive and it has that ability to be able to do that. And so we know all that stuff about, about this Bible and we, and we can trust in it. And, and real quick, if you wanna know why I trust in the Bible and I completely ripped this off from somebody, but, um, but hear this, the reason I believe the Bible, if somebody ever asks you this and you wanna give them a good response, here's what you can say. You can say, it's a reliable collection of historical documents. It was written down by eyewitnesses in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. So basically other eyewitnesses saw what these eyewitnesses saw. And so they can all corroborate the entire message that these people saw. So it was written down by eyewitnesses in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events, like, um, I don't know, maybe um, rising, raising from the dead. Maybe that's probably a pretty big supernatural thing. But not only is it supernatural, but it's in fulfillment of specific prophecies. Remember that whole Psalm 22 thing? That's a specific prophecy that it's basically fulfilling. Not only that, these things are divine in nature instead of human in origin. 
So when somebody says, hey, why do you believe the Bible? You say, because it's a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses that report supernatural events that occur in fulfillment of specific prophecies and they're divine in nature rather than human in origin. Any questions? (laughs) And they're gonna go, I'm gonna get back with you. (laughs) And so it's like when we realize that, and what's cool is that when you look at the stars, you can look at them and have no knowledge of the stars and you're like, wow, that's incredible. But when you begin doing some study and begin understanding how the stars came to be, you're like, wow, it's even, it's even greater than I ever could imagine. When you begin studying and, and learn about how the Grand Canyon came to be, it blows the whole you know, sheer just size of it out of proportion because then you begin understanding it a little bit. That's the same thing for the Bible. The Bible just in and of itself is impressive because 1,500 years, 66 different books, 40, over 40 authors, three languages, three different continents, that's impressive in itself. But then you actually begin opening it up and you begin to blind God's word and you've seen how it can transform people's lives. Then it opens your mind to a completely different thing. And then you begin getting messed up for Jesus because then you begin understanding how incredible this word is. But, but the thing is, is that um, we don't do that because we get busy. Um, we gotta go to the ball games. We gotta go out to eat. Um, you know, how many of us say, let me just go to church. Let me get that over with so I can get to the rest of my day. Well, here's a little thing. Um, a lot of us think that God is like, um, hey, I'm just gonna keep att- attendance with you. So if you go to church enough, you're gonna be all right. And so we kind of make a, a little tally mark on our, our imaginary wall. Like, hey, at least I went to church today. Well, what if... What if, let's say, that that is the way God does stuff? Well, let's change the perspective a little bit and say, well, instead of doing a tally of when we come to church, what if we did a tally of when we were the church? Hmm, it's a little different, right? That that changes things a little bit, but we're like, that would require me to actually, um, that would be that whole call to action thing. That would require me to actually do something. And we're not okay with that because we get busy. The thing is, we don't take the time to figure out how to be in rhythm with God. We don't take the time to learn the dance. How many of y'all have seen the movie Hitch before? All right, love that movie. The entire movie, I am jotting down notes like crazy. I'm like, oh, this is incredible, this is incredible. And then all of a sudden, you get to the end of the movie, and they're like, it doesn't matter. It's all different. And I'm like, take my notebook, I throw it out the door, because I'm like, all right, so I took all these notes and then realized that girls are crazy, and they don't know, they can't make up their minds. And, and I'm like, this is, this is useless. But something cool in that movie, I, let me, that's spit right there, okay. Um, something that cool that happens in that movie is that he's trying to learn how to dance, right? And so he, you know, Will Smith's character asks him, well, well, show me what you got, right? And he's up there, he's, he got the Q-tip, he's throwing it. He's got the Q-tip, he's throwing it. He's doing like a little shopping cart. He's grabbing some stuff, putting it in, grabbing it. Oh, I don't want that. And he keeps on going, right? <laughs> and Will Smith, the entire time, he's just sitting there and he's just kind of looking at him. And he's like, and finally he just lets him go for a while and he just slaps him in the face, Right? I'm like, how often, you know, maybe does God want to do that? You know, he sees us, you know, trying to do all this different stuff. And, you know, one day he's just going to be like, really? And just knocks us in the face. Uh, that'd be funny. Um, but, so, but what, what is his advice for him? He says, look, this is what I want you to do. He's like, I want you to be right here. This is your home. I don't want you to leave here. I just want you to keep it simple. I just want you to, you know, just stay, stay in rhythm. All right. I don't want you to get off of this. And it's so simple, right? But he's like, I, I want you to start off slow. But so many of us, Many of us, we just, we try to, you know, come up with all these cool different dances. We're doing the robot and everything else, you know, or there's the other side of it where maybe um, we're kind of doing the eighth grade dance thing and we just kind of sit on the sides and, you know, all the girls are over there and we're like, go talk to him, go talk to him. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going to, okay. Nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so we just sit on the sidelines. And so, so how does it happen 
when we come to church, when we get the body together, I think you see both of those extremes. I'd say the bulk of people, when we walk into church, we do the eighth grade dance, right, don't we? We just kind of don't want to stand on the, on the sidelines. Or maybe we've seen a lot of stuff and we, um, we don't really know what we're doing, so we try to do something. We try to mimic it. We try to, we try to mimic something we've seen, but it hasn't actually been revealed to us. So what we come up with isn't actually real. And God's just sitting there saying, just start off slow. This is where I want you. Well, let's think about this. So if so many of us come in, we come into church, most of us, it looks like this. We, we walk in the doors, we put our, our hands in our pockets, and we're about to sing praises um, to the God that sent a son to, to die for us so we could have eternal life. And so what, what do we do? We go, oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sins away, oh, happy day. And it's like, what is, is that what God wants from us? Is that pleasing to God's ear? And I'm like, why is it like that? You know, what would, ha- what would happen, for example, if like when we came into church, um, we remembered all that stuff about how important the Bible was and we remembered how much Jesus did for us. And so when we walked in the church, we go, oh, have a day, everyone, have a day. I don't think y'all understand, okay? I don't think you understand what um, Jesus has done for me, but um, he has washed all of my sins away. Don't miss that. No, no, all of my sins, all of my junk. Remember all those chains that was, was holding me back? My chains are gone. My chains are free. Boom, I'm, I'm, I'm going, right? We come in the doors and we're just like, I don't think y'all, y'all, y'all missing it because here's the thing. It's all because of Jesus that I am alive. He is the only way that I'm able to do anything, right? But we don't come in the doors like that, do we? We come in the doors with our hands in our pockets. But how would it change? How would the culture of this church change if we all actually recognize that, right? If we came into faith, we learned what it meant to be Jesus, and actually we did something crazy. We actually opened up God's word and read it. Right? And so what we did is we said, hey, I want to learn how I can give back to God. I want to learn how I can actually worship the Father in freedom and in truth. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to actually seek out his scripture because it's God's word. It's breathed. It's divine in nature. It fulfilled supernatural uh, or specific prophecies. I know all of that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to open up. I'm going to say, all right, what, how can I worship God? How can I give him glory? Because he did everything for me, so I just want to do a little bit for him. All right, let's look into this. All right, so I'm reading God's word. It talks about a different way that I can praise. Well, a lot of times I walk in church and I see people raising their hands, and I'm like, do they have questions? Is the pastor not out calling on them? And we're like, we don't understand it. But then we read the scripture and we say, hey, wait, there's this, there's this word for praise where it actually a lifted hand is actually a form of praise. There it is again. All right. That we can actually raise our hands to give back to God. What an incredible way. And so when we come in now, we're like, I can raise my hand. That's easy. I do it in class all the time. I do it all the time. So like, if, I, if that's a way that I can give back to God, all right, I'll touch the ceiling, right? Like, that, if, if that's a way that I can give a li- just a little bit of me back to God, all right, I'm going to do that. Okay, let's, let's, let's find out some more. That, that was one way I could praise. There's got to be more ways. Oh, wait, there's more ways. Okay, so now I read a little bit more into the scriptures, and I'm like, all right. Well, I see people, they, they come in, and we, and we sing these songs. Why do we sing these songs? Like, well, I guess it makes sense because music, you know, drives everybody in the world, and so what better way than to use something that drives everybody in the world than to actually honor God with that same thing? So that's why we come together, and, and it's a perfect way to corporately worship God is doing it through music because it's something we can all relate to. And so when it says in the Scriptures to sing a new song, to shout at the top of our lungs, that's a form of giving back to God. That's a form of praise that we get to give to the Father. And so that's why we, when we come in here on Sundays, that's why we sing. That's why we shout. And so it's like, I can do that. I'll sing. 
It's like, on, it's like on the movie Elf, right? I'm in the store and I'm singing. Like, why can't we do that in church? I'm in church and I'm singing because I realize that God is incredible and he gave everything to me. He died on the cross so that I could have eternal life, right? If we realize that, or what about this? Maybe every now and then when we sing, sing songs like, I surrender, that we thought about those words for a second. And we said, you know what? I need to be still. And, and, we, and, we, and we stopped. And we, and we got on our knees. And we said, God, um, I'm nothing without you. And so um, I'm going to lay it all down for you. And this is, this, this, right now, this is the way I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you by shutting up. That's how I'm going to give you honor today. But we don't do that. We don't want to take an opportunity. Or maybe, maybe some of us, you know, we come in and um, we're like, I, just, I, wanna, I wanna learn more about praising God and I wanna, I wanna be kind of crazy because I'm kind of a, maybe a little bit more on the Pentecostal side, right? I wanna get a little crunk, crunk, crunk in church, right? And so we read the burrito and we're like, all right, there's this form of praise that talks about acting clamorously. All right, what's that all about? All right, clamorously means basically to act kind of crazy, kind of ridiculous. And the only thing I can think about is I think about the kids that are over on the Connection Kids side. Um, they are crazy over there. They just do some odd things. And I'm like, well, well, how do they have fun? How do they, you know, just enjoy things? And, and it's like I was watching Jackson, um, Brandon's son, the other day. And he's over there, and he's having the time of his life. But I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm like, there's got to be something off with this kid because he's basically just... He's just spinning around. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're just spinning in circles. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. See... There's this song, uh, what is that song? Marvelous Light, okay, wait a minute. Lift my hands, oh, I already got that. I already figured that out, a way to praise God. And spin around, acting clamorously. I got it now, God. Now I understand why when we sing those, those words, it's because that's just a way I can praise you. It's just a simple way that I can praise you. And so we're like, all right, lift my hands, I'll do it. Spin around, we, we keep on going. But then all of a sudden we gotta stop, we're like, wait, I gotta stay in rhythm, I gotta stay in rhythm. Cause then we'll start getting off and we'll start, you know, whatever else, but like, just think about how that would change things. But you want to know why we don't do anything? You want to know why we don't act like that in church? You know why we don't act like that when we think about what God's done in our lives? It's because we stop and we look to the person next to us and we go, what are they going to think? What are they going to think about me doing something like that? And I'll tell you what they're going to think. They're going to think, you're kind of weird. You're kind of crazy. That doesn't make sense. But let's think about this for a second. Um, first of all, um, we're all kind of weird. Um, go to your family reunion or um, go to 4th of July at Mill Creek in Statesboro. We're all a little messed up, okay? But, and so, but it's all about what you've experienced. And so take, take somebody that's never, ever seen football or been to a pro football game, right? You take them to a Dallas Cowboys football game. You bring them there, you're like, all right, this is what's going to happen. We're going to get like 100,000 people together, right? We're going to surround like this nicely manicured lawn. All right, and then these 300-pound men are going to line up. We're going to give one of them a ball, and he's going to chuck it as hard as he can. Somebody else is going to catch it. And then here's the thing. Another 300-pound man is going to go, and he's going to run into him. And he's going to take him down. And the guy's going to be like, um, do, do what? That's, uh, okay. Well, well you get, tell me a little bit more about this. Okay, all right. Then what we're going to do, we're going to take that 300-pound man, and we're going to give him some nice, tight pants, all right? And the guy's like, wait, wait, wait what? You're going to do it? Oh, no, no, it gets better. Then what we're going to do is we're going to take an HD camera, and we're going to zoom right on in on that player. He's going to be down like this, and we're going to get in right close to that plasma TV, and we're going to look at that. We're going to go, oh, look at that butt. Man, that's, this, this is entertainment right here, right? And the guy's going to be like, what are you talking about? 
hey, come on, let's go get some food. I'm gonna go pay $18 for some nachos. It's gonna be awesome, right? <laughs> like, I was like, you're, you're crazy, you're weird. Or let's take another example, right? Maybe you take them to another you know, huge environment where um, some people get in these, um, these, these cars and um, these cars are really loud and they go really fast. And, and the guy's like, oh, so it's gonna be like a race. You're like, yes, a race. Here's what's gonna happen. They're like, so well, where are they gonna go? I'll tell you where they're gonna go. They're gonna drive down the road, right? They're gonna go really fast. They're gonna take a left. And they're gonna keep on going. And they're gonna take another left. And then they're gonna drive some more. Yeah, left. And the person's gonna go, so aren't they just gonna wind up where they started? Yep. We're gonna do that for four hours. <laughs> and the person's like, you are a kook. And you're like, I know, I'm a kook. Um, all right, one more example. What about taking somebody that looks at somebody, and you take this person that's um, just kind of never really done anything wrong. They just kind of, you know, always done the right thing. Um, actually, let's, just, let's say they've, they've been perfect. Let's say they've uh, lived this perfect life, and they look at every single person around them who are all kind of screwing it up. And then they think about every single person that's going to come that'll ever live on this earth, and they're like, wow, they're going to screw it up too. Um, but, but here's the thing, because, because I'm perfect, I'm gonna die for them so that they can have life and have it to the full. Um, and I'd, I'd rather die so that they could live. Um, and even though most of those people, when we, when we do that, when, when, when I'm gonna do that for them, I'm gonna give them everything, most of those people are gonna look at me and they're gonna pretty much give me the, the hand, right? And if we wanna be honest about it, most of us will probably take down some of those fingers on that hand and probably just leave one up. I'm just, I just wanna be honest. I mean, that's pretty much what we do. And so, but yet you take that same person who's never, who've never seen that and they say, wow, why would somebody ever wanna do that? That's weird. Yeah, that is pretty weird. That's unusual. But, <laughs> so when, we're, when we come together and somebody looks at us and they say, I don't understand that, you're like, okay, that, that makes sense. But then what if the person next to you has had Jesus in their life come in and radically transform their life. They're gonna look at you and go, man, you're messed up for Jesus too, aren't you? And you're gonna go, yep. And so, and, and you're gonna be like, and it, it's, it's awesome because we just get to come in here and we get to have an incredible time. Like how fun was it just starting off this service, hitting those rhythm sticks, just, get, just, having, just enjoying each other's company, right? And, and yet what was so cool was we got to praise God in doing it. We got to just come together. Like what I think is the coolest thing is this band up here. They are some of my best friends I've ever had in my life. And every single week, I get the incredible opportunity to worship with my best friends, right? We get the opportunity to worship with our best friends, to worship the God of the heaven. What, what an incredible opportunity. And so what I wanna see happen is that, I wanna see that that's what this church is about. That we actually, um, maybe we kinda get a little excited about what God does in our lives. That maybe we start asking for some big things. Um, a couple weeks ago, Whitney, one of the girls that sings up here and leads worship, um, she, she's a teacher and she told us that um, one of her students um, just found out she has cancer. And um, she's like, she's, she's seven years old and has cancer. And um, it just, we didn't know this girl, but it just, our hearts just started breaking for her, obviously. 
And um, so what we decided is we were just going to come together um, every single Wednesday night before and when we, when we practice for Sundays, before we even pick up one instrument, we stop and we have a connect group. Um, connect groups are basically a form of small groups or discipleships here at the church. And so for us, we say before, before we pick up an instrument, we're going to pick up God's instrument and we're going to see what it has to say. And so we were gathering and she was sharing this. And we're like, you know what? We're going to come in agreement with you. And we're going we're to pray for this girl because we, we believe Isaiah 53, 5 that says, by your stripes we are healed. That because when Jesus died on that cross, he died for healing like this to take place. And so we started praying as, as, as one body. And so Whitney started, started lifting up a prayer and she goes, God, I just pray that you heal this girl from the top of her head to the bottom of her foot. That you, you come in and radically do something. That tomorrow she's going in for some tests. I pray doctors go in and they're like, they're, they're dumbfounded because there's just nothing there. And so as we're praying this, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't know if God can do that. That's, I mean, it's cancer, right? That's, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. And I doubt it. But I was like, no, God, I'm not going to doubt this time. This time, we're going to come in agreement, and we're going to pray for something huge. We're going to have an audacious prayer. And so we, we just came together, and we, just, we were in agreement in that. Well, a week later, she comes back. We're meeting again. And she goes, huh, um, crazy story. Um, I, I went in the next day, and she had come back from having her test. Strangest thing happened. Um, there's no cancer, and um, she's completely healed. The doctors, um, they're dumbfounded. Um, and I almost doubted God. I almost questioned his ability to heal. What if, what if, I, what if I had? And yet now this, this girl's life has been completely changed because of it. And God got to reign victorious in the whole thing and got to show his, his glory to us in that way. My, my dad, um, about four years ago, was hit by a car. He was walking in the neighborhood and he, uh, he got hit by a car and he's now paralyzed from his, um, about his chest down. And uh, we, we prayed that um, he would be able to, to walk again and it just it didn't happen. Um, but God did say, hey, you know, I'm gonna let you use your hands. I'm gonna let you use your mind. And so you can still work. You can still provide for your family. And um, I would love for, to see my dad um, walk again. But whether or not my dad walks does not prove or disprove God's existence. God is not, you know, we, we so often we're like, well, God, if you don't do this, then obviously you don't exist. That's not how it works. Because the thing is, is that if that girl hadn't been healed, you know what? We would have come back the next week and we would have prayed for her some more. And, we will, and, and maybe 10 years go by and she's, she's still trucking along. We're gonna pray for her some more. And maybe 50 years down the road, she's healed because that, because it's, we don't need to determine a, a, a certain circumstance to decide whether we believe in God and whether we believe him to do incredible things. That here is at this church, we're going to pray for some huge stuff, all right? That, that our vision here is that by the year 2020, there'll be 2,000 people coming together and that 80% of those will be serving in this community and will be getting plugged into a connect group. Now that's not to, to grow the name of Connection Church. That's, that's to grow the name of Jesus Christ and to in, increase his kingdom. And so we, we weren't gonna ask for that this, uh, right now, but the thing is, maybe that's too small. Maybe that's you know, making it a little too small for God because I wanna be a church that we're like, you know what? We believe God to do some, is gonna do some huge stuff. And so we're gonna ask for some huge stuff. And we're gonna come together as one body and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna see what God can do. And we're going to trust in him. And, and whether he does something or doesn't do something, that's not going to, going to affect how we continue to live. That's not going to, going to change anything that we're going to do. That we're going to have some huge prayers that, that when we come together for worship, when people come in here, they go, yeah, y'all are kind of messed up. And y'all are kind of, kind of weird. But it's pretty cool because um, something's done that to y'all. Something's made y'all act that way. And so this is what we're going to do right now. The band's going to come back up on the stage.
and we're going to sing one more song. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to sing together um, and, and worship out to God. And the song that we're going to do is called Sing to the King. And um, there's a line in the song that says, Satan is vanquished and Jesus is king. And let me tell you what's cool about that line right there, if y'all haven't already picked up on what's cool about that line. Um, back when Jesus was walking this earth, you know, the Jews and the Gentiles during that time that were, that were following Christ, this was the greatest thing that could ever happen in all of eternity. They are walking with the Savior. They're walking with Jesus Christ. Incredible thing. So in their heads, the worst possible outcome would be that the Savior was killed, right? Let alone crucified. And so they're, they're walking along with Jesus and all of a sudden Jesus is like, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be killed. And they're like, what? No, that's, that's the worst outcome, God. You're, you're supposed to do the, the, the best outcome. So that, that goes and happens, right? And all of a sudden, think of what Satan's thinking at that time, right? Jesus is up on the cross and Satan's going, man, I just won. This was, it was almost easy. It was almost easy for me to win, right? And all of a sudden, you know, so he's celebrating. He's going crazy. All of the, the believers and the Gentiles during that time, they're like, you know, what's, what's going on? Um, this, this is the worst thing. And then Jesus says these, these words. He says, it's finished. And you know, Satan was just laughing. He's just laughing hysterically. And all of a sudden he's like, um, what? It's finished. Yeah, you're right. It, it, you are finished. You know, I, I, I've won, right? And you know that had to just start messing with Satan's mind. He had to be like, what's going on? Because he's like, you're, you're finished. It's finished. What, Jesus, what are you talking? You're on a, okay. And so he was probably messing with him a little bit. And then all of a sudden, three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead. And all of a sudden, it got crystal clear for Satan, didn't it? All of a sudden, he goes, oh, crap. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we, we see that Jesus is like, yeah, how about let's take the worst thing that could have ever happened, and let's make this the greatest thing that's ever happened in all of eternity. Satan, you have no hold over anybody anymore because now the enemy has been defeated. So, um, yeah, I'm going to now reign as king. You're not going to call come, come against me anymore. You're not going to come against my people anymore because my name's Jesus. I'm the king. What's up, sucker? Right? That's what he's saying. And so here's the thing. When we did this last song, we, we say Satan is vanquished. Jesus is the king. There's a chance, a slight chance, I'm letting you all know, I might scream. I might yell. I might get a little excited about that. All of my chains are gone. I have been set free. Jesus is alive here in this room, but we don't act like that. So let's for once be the church and actually act like Jesus died for us and gave us eternal life. And that Satan, that guy Satan, yeah, dead, vanquished, defeated. Amen? Let's worship God.